hello everyone. I'm Reverend Carla and welcome to Spirituality Matters. This is episode five. So let's settle in to find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are and be reminded that the holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. So today's podcast is titled Being Spiritual in a Religious World. And really, I feel like I could just talk about this and nothing else all the time because it's such a a big topic. And I know that for so many of you who have either left organized religion, have been traumatized by organized religion, or just never have been a part of it, but you're wanting to understand your uh, spiritual path outside of religion, this is a big deal. And I know that we haven't really spent a lot of time in community really giving people a platform or a lane to understand what spirituality can mean outside of religion. So I'm glad to be here. We'll probably, I know we'll come back to this time and again. And if you've been following me throughout the summer, you may remember that in uh, July, I wrote about this in my blog about what it means to be spiritual, but not religious and why it is absolutely okay. And not only just okay, but it is sacred and valid to be unchurched. You don't have to be affiliated with any church or specific religious tradition. That was the reason I did that series is to help you understand, number one, who I am and what I believe, but also help so many of you who feel spiritually stuck or perhaps stagnant as you navigate your spiritual path outside of religion. So I want to start by saying that there may be an assumption here that I am a Christian minister and I am not. I am a Christian who is an interfaith, interspiritual minister. So what does that mean? Okay, so as a minister, I just respect all religions. All religions hold some element of truth. They hold some aspect of wisdom and a sacred path to God. So that's the interfaith part. And the interspiritual says that a connection to God can also be found outside of religion. And you'll hear me say this time and time again, and yes, we're talking about merchandise to say it as well. Religion does not own God, and God is big enough to share. Now, I was raised Christian, so I embrace my Christian spiritual roots, and I draw upon those rituals and traditions a lot for my spiritual journey. So even though, yes, I'm still a Christian, I don't allow anyone to take that identity away from me. So so many years after I left church and I was kind of wandering in this proverbial witness uh, wilderness, I often felt like I didn't know if I could call myself a Christian because I was still viewing my spirituality through a religious lens. And so the, the cans and the can'ts, the haves and the have-nots, the things I, I thought I could and couldn't do. So there was part of me that knowing I had this incredible peace for being led and feeling as God was opening up these paths for me, I still believed there was something I was doing wrong. And as I was detangling from my religious trauma, and we'll talk more about that um, later, and my beliefs were still very much steeped in organized religion, I just needed to have faith and start to trust that I was on a path that would show me how God existed and moved through the world. But that still doesn't mean that someone doesn't try to say, oh, no, you're not a Christian. Well, that's that's okay. I, I, I accept that now. But I, one of the things I always like to say is, where do you draw the line? 
And what I mean by that is I think the closest estimate, and I'll put all these links in my show notes, and of course, I always encourage you to do your own research as well. But the closest estimate we have is that worldwide, there are about between 25 and 30,000 Christian denominations. Now, some some sources put that up much higher, but not any less than the 25,000. Now, why do you think we have so many Christian denominations? It's because Christians can't agree on how to interpret scripture. So then who is right? So in other words, I'm a Christian, but do you think that 25 to 30,000 denominations all agree with that? No, they don't. And I'm going to say this as lovingly as I can. I just no longer care to explain myself to those who need to judge or define my Christianity or my ministry because I would be doing nothing but trying to get consensus when there's absolutely no way to do it. If there was a way to do that, we wouldn't end up with 30,000 Christian denominations. Now, I do want to say regarding these the the data, there's no central reporting requirement for any of these denominations. Now, if some of them belong to a larger denomination like the Presbyterians or the Lutherans or the Methodists, there is a, there is like a central organization and then you have the uh, churches affiliated with that denomination and they all agree to follow a certain theology and dogma and rules that are related to that denomination. But that doesn't mean that they have to report their data beyond their denomination. So it's very challenging to find data related to this. So I will tell you that I stay away from websites that might be called something like the smart Christian or Jesus is the only way.com. And I don't even know if those <laughs> websites exist, but it's something like that. So I don't, I don't, I take that data with a grain of salt because they're going to have a bias. But one of the places I do use most often is a Pew Research Center. And I think most people will agree that that is a verifiable data that's, that's steeped in good quantitative research and quality data and things like that. So that's where I get the majority of my research and those links will be in the show notes. So, okay, why did I feel like I needed to make that clear as we're talking about being spiritual but not religious? Because one of the things that you will be asked to do time and again is to explain yourself if that's the closest thing you can come to as to describe your spiritual, what contains your spiritual bucket, if you will. Um, that might, and it sometimes people just aren't going to accept it. And sometimes it's just best to have peace with you understanding who you are. But back to this data, the statistics do not lie. People are leaving church and I'm going to pull up a Pew Research Center document that's from October of 2019. So just a little bit over a year ago, a year ago where the title is, in the U.S., decline of Christianity continues at a rapid pace. So basically what you're seeing here is between um, 2018 and 2019, this was when the telephone surveys were done, 65% of American adults described themselves as Christian when asked about their religion, and that is down 12 percentage points over the past decade. So that is a significant drop based on the last uh, decade and then the prior decade before that. So it's interesting to see how quickly these drops are happening. 
And then the other data says that more people now are identifying as being spiritual than not relig- uh, but not religious than any other time in our history. So now, even though that also could be that you'll hear some Christian churches, and you'll see it too, like some Christian churches are having phenomenal growth. But what I see happening, and this is this is more anecdotal, but I could also do some more research around it, is that that's more of a shift from one church to another. So you have already somebody who's identifying as Christian who might be moving over to more of what they call a modern church format where the... Um, the Music is more modern, the pastors are in jeans, the rock band and the smokescreen, all that. And I'm not saying anything's bad about that, but that is a very attractive format, especially for the younger people who are looking for connection inside their their, uh, church experience that models more of their life. So that seems to be someplace where people are being more attractive to that, but that seems like a a shift for Christians who are already identifying as Christians that are moving over into that church. So one thing that ends up happening, though, is people say that they're leaving church, and the data supports this. Again, going back to this Pew Research Forum, one of the things that people who are inside church and think that church is the only place that can contain your or hold your spirituality is they'll say well you just need to get god back in your lives and to do that you need to get back in church as if they are they're chastising the person who desires to seek spirituality outside of religion but this type of dismissive comment is actually doing the opposite for people because what they see in those comments is the exact kind a lot of times when you look at what the reason why people are leaving there's they're leaving that kind of judgment they don't want to be viewed by someone in their church that they're sharing a pew with as somehow being above reproach and that they have the opportunity or they have the right to condemn you or judge you for your choices so with all due respect again and with love as as much as i can in my heart that is a record that needs to be broken and tossed out the window we need to stop judging people for deciding not to go to church if you truly want to understand why people are leaving it's time for a dialogue actually asking them what's going on than just telling them point blank that you feel like they're doing wrong Because if the church was truly working for people, we would not be seeing these significant declines in attendance. So, and I'm certainly not here to convince you to leave or stay in religion. That is between you and God. And I'm, but I'm also not here to defend my decision or also to understand why you left church. But what I did, once I left church and I went into this spiritual uh, wilderness, I knew I was being called into some kind of ministry. So from there I went and I studied uh, biblical studies first and then world religions for three years before attending seminary for two years. So I'm very grounded in my decision because not only had did I have the my educational experience, I also had my biblical experience where I've been studying the Bible. I've been in some form of Bible study since I was six years old. 
So now that I'm here to help people who have made that decision to explore spirituality outside of religion, and there are many of us here, it's just time that we found each other and that we learn and grow together. But what ends up happening is that as I speak to people to try to call in those who are spiritual but not religious, there's there's a thought that I'm being antagonistic, that somehow I'm saying that church is wrong, and that is absolutely not the case. I have said this time and time again, that there are beautiful things, healing things that can happen inside of church. But even with that, sometimes church is not where people are going to be able to find a spiritual path, and that certainly is me. And as our numbers grow, I think it's important for us to have these platforms like we're finding here on podcast and social media and workshops to find to come together. Okay, so that's kind of my story in a nutshell and why I believe that it's okay to be spiritual, but not religious. But I also want us to have that comfort and community for each other. So this is our opportunity now to start giving you some tools so that you too can also have a firm footing. And the first person I want to introduce you to who can help you with that is Father Richard Rohr. Um, His last name is R-O-H-R and his link to his website will also be in my show notes. But if you're not familiar with Father Richard's work, I highly recommend that you sign up for his newsletter at his website. He runs in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, he runs a center called the Center for Action and Contemplation. They have wonderful workshops, incredible teachers. It's just a wonderful uh, resource. But a few weeks ago, his teaching theme was on inner spiritual mysticism. So you can imagine that I was very excited to see inner spiritual being used outside of the realm of just my teachings and and especially with someone who I admire so greatly because I truly believe he is a mystic of our time. So Mirabai Starr was the guest writer for one of those days. And I know there's a lot of new names that you might be hearing, uh, but I also will Uh, attach Mirabai's uh, biography and her profile in the show notes as well. But she is a writer and is considered one of the most influential teachers in spirituality. As a matter of fact, I think she was named one of the top 100 spiritual teachers um, in our time. So the title of her writing was called Engaged Love. So I'm quoting Mirabai now, and and I quote, The late brother Wayne Teasdale coined the term inner spiritual to describe the shared mystic heart beating in the center of the world's deepest spiritual traditions. This perspective encompasses a much broader scope of shared religious experience than does its predecessor predecessor interfaith movement, which focuses more on the dialogue between the established institutionalized religions than on an intermingling of their common heart. Mirabai Mirabai goes on to say, the sacred scriptures of all faiths call us to love as we have never loved before. This requires effort, vigilance, and radical humility. Violence is easier than nonviolence, yet hate only perpetuates hate. The wisdom teachings remind us that love, active, engaged, fearless love is the only way to save ourselves and each other 
from the firestorm of war that rages around us. There is a renewed urgency to this task now. We are asked not only to tolerate the other, but also to actively engage the love that transmutes the lead of ignorance and hatred into the gold of authentic connection. Don't come this way unless you're willing to stretch, bend, and transform for the sake of love. And I end my quote, but I'm going to repeat that last sentence, beloved. Don't come this way unless you're willing to stretch, bend, and transform for the sake of love. Ooh, I hope that speaks to you as it does to me. I love Mirabai's writings. Okay, later that same week in Father Rohr's teachings, Adam Bucko wrote these words, and I'll put Adam's profile in my show notes as well, but I'm now quoting Adam. We have to acknowledge that when people hear about spiritual and not religious people, they often immediately think that these are the people who are just shopping around and not really that committed. But when we look at some of the people who come from that group, we realize that actually many of them spend more time in spiritual practices than regular church growers. End quote. So there's a couple of things, jumping in points on what Adam said. First of all, notice that he says spiritual and not religious. Some people don't like to use anything that's, that puts you in duality when it comes to spiritualities be, so that we can be spiritual and religious. You can be religious and spiritual, but sometimes we put that divisive in there. And the reason why I use it is because it's the most common phrase that people understand. And because we are choosing to move completely away from any religious affiliation, we're using the spiritual but not religious. But they're both can be used synonymously. The other part is that many of them, the very end of his statement, many of them spend more time in spiritual practices than regular church goers. So church holds our ritual work, our worship, very neatly because if you're used to going to church, you also know that what to expect when you walk in the door. That's why we stay comfortable inside our worship experiences. We know we'll have worship, we'll have song, we might have communion, depending on your denominational beliefs. You'll have greeting time, you might have coffee hour, you may have Sunday school, you know what to expect. But the spiritual practices of the spiritual but not religious means that you find the holy in every moment. Yes, you can do that inside religion, But what ends up sometimes happening inside religion is that you click it off the minute you leave the church doors. What spiritual outside of religion is inviting you is finding the holy in every moment of your life. That's why we shouldn't come this way unless we are committed to love, that we're committed to expand. So that might mean that not just a prayer before you eat or time together or you're it becomes very intentional it becomes very mindful you're putting intention sacred intention around everything that you do and that doesn't mean that you have to be in constant prayer but it means that we are trying to stay in a place of constant awareness that our physical space in this world matters just as everyone else does we're always trying to learn and grow and understand and we can certainly expand on spiritual practices in another in another week but 
what had what became clear to me as I was walking away from religion was that I didn't see how the two were separate. And so when I left, there were so many questions for me about how I was going to find God. Now, like I said earlier, this is my story and my existence my experiences. This isn't the entirety of church stories or church experiences. I know many people have so many different sacred experiences inside religion. And just because God called me out of religion doesn't mean that I'm right and you're wrong. My main issue with Christianity at this point is with its blending in politics that then become ways that oppress the basic human rights of others. And I'm not trying to hide that. You can look at any of my videos or any of my writings. You know I am an advocate for separation of church and state. And I'll stop there. We'll go back to church now. So some of the most loving and giving and compassionate people that I have ever known I've met in church. And they are they're still some of my best of, best bestest of friends, pastors and lay leaders and members, and they all are working for the good of the whole. But there's also the layer of people who are toxic, judgmental, hypocritical, and they suffocate the tenets of Christianity with their actions and their words. And for years, I struggled within that broken system that insisted that the church only could look one way, and the rest of us had to stay quiet and force ourselves into that, that religious theology, or we were the wrong ones that were wrong. So what I'm inviting us out here with the, in the spiritual but not religious realm is to understand that we have a sacred peace and connection where we are right now where we are right now to God that can be just as meaningful and holy as any other spiritual path. So as I said earlier that I'm, I will be the first to admit that leaving my religious heritage to traverse the unknown paths of spirituality outside of religion was incredibly hard and it is not for everyone. It often left me lonely and in tears, and I lost friends, and I lost some family members who simply could not separate their faith from their love for me. And I was living this paradox of being confused and afraid, but also deeply at peace. As the song goes by R.E.M., I was literally losing my religion. So here I am alone and scared and confused and with this paradox of peace. Um, And I'm going to be very honest here. There were many times, even while I was studying in university, that I considered trying to suppress my calling and return to church because it was just just too scary out here. And I knew that if I did that, I would be doing something that I didn't want to do, but I've seen people do it and the people who reach out to me telling me that it's happening and that means I would be faking it in the pew all for the sake of community. As a matter of fact, I had someone reach out to me recently, a 73-year-old woman who thanked me 
for my writings and teachings because she believed in what I was doing, but she was too afraid of the consequences of what her family would say to her and what her church community would do to her if they found out that she was following me and that she agreed with some of the things that I was saying, even though she said she felt God's presence with some of what she was doing in spiritual practice now. But she was too afraid to give that up, and she said at her age it didn't matter. And that's heartbreaking to me that there are people out there who feel so pressured into how they show up that they can't be authentic in their spiritual truth. And for me, in the end, the thought of returning to corporate worship in a church that excluded my LGBTQ brothers and sisters, that, of course, they say they're welcoming, but they would not be baptized. They would not be able to get married. They, were not, they would not be able to be uh, in leadership. That was enough to make me stay the course. That was enough to know that what I was being called to do was so much bigger than I was, and I needed to trust the journey. So one of the things I always say is there's room for all of us here at this table of humanity and spirituality. And now that I'm here, I count among my friends and followers, there are churchgoers here. There are the spiritual but not religious. There are the atheists and the agnostics and the Wiccan and the pagans. Because I know no other way to live to the highest commandment which is to love your neighbor as yourself. I know no other way to honor that commandment than by inviting everyone to be in community so we can learn and grow together. Because if church is lovingly and compassionately holding your spirituality, then bless you. As I said earlier, this isn't trying to convince you of something that's not working for you. That's okay. This isn't either or or rather, I I should say, it shouldn't be either or. One of my dear friends once said to me that life is not about either or. It's about living in the end. And think about what I said earlier with what Adam Bucko wrote about the spiritual and not religious. Yet some belief systems demand either or. So either you believe what I believe or you're doomed to internal damnation or you're just flat out wrong. But a spiritual but not religious person is more inclined to live in the and of spirituality. We are more apt to accept another's journey as sacred, as just as meaningful as as mine. And we say that our spiritual journey is not contingent upon another's approval, and that also means for you. So this podcast is an invitation to consider how much of your spiritual truth is tied up in controlling someone else's spiritual truth. Because if your spiritual beliefs are mostly showing up up in the world as if you're wielding a sword and taking swipes at others, then maybe we should be considering how we show up in our lives. Maybe this is an invitation to be a kinder version of ourselves, to move into these sacred spaces where God truly is. We must be willing to understand and accept that no religion or church owns God. 
The holy is found in religion, but is also found in sacred, meaningful ways outside of religion and in the world. There are many sacred paths. Your spiritual path is not contingent upon another's approval. Beloved, your soul is God's home, and God is indeed big enough to share. Blessed be and amen. Now, as I said, the podcast show notes will be uploaded as well. You can see everything that I used for research. Okay, at the end of every podcast, I try to answer a question. And today's question is, can you please elaborate on religious trauma? Okay, in my show notes, I'm going to include a couple of resources that I would like you to consider. One of them is from the website called recoveringfromreligioustrauma.org. And this is a whole series of, of wonderful resources that can help you understand a little bit more about what religious trauma is. But I want to I want to read something that the founder of this website, Dr. Marlene Wynell, wrote, and I think that's going to help you a little bit. And so I'm now quoting Dr. Wynell. In the case of fundamentalist beliefs, people expect that choosing to leave a childhood faith is like giving up Santa Claus, a little sad, but basically a matter of growing up. But religious indoctrination can be hugely damaging. And making the break from an authoritarian kind of religion can definitely be traumatic. It involves a complete upheaval of a person's construction of reality, including the self, other people, life, the future, everything. People under unfamiliar with it, including therapists, have trouble appreciating the sheer terror it can create and the recovery needed. End quote. So you can go check out that website, but basically what, what I liked about this is it, it's acknowledging that just the, the, just the act itself of leaving your religious heritage is incredibly traumatic because more than likely the entirety of your filter, the, of how you see the world is filtering through your belief systems. And most of that beliefs, if you came from religious heritage, is through your religious heritage. So how you view people, how you see social justice, how you see how other people live, how you view other religions, and all of a sudden, if you decide to leave that and navigate the world, then all of a sudden, what are you using as part of your, your true north? What are you using for your beacon, kind of like your lighthouse? I don't know what else I can put around that, but you understand that all of a sudden, you're left to navigate those things on your own. Now compound that with those of us who did experience some kind of religious trauma, where someone did something, some kind of act upon you, whether it's, it could be physical abuse, it could also be emotional, spiritual, or uh, mental abuse. And what that looks like is you were told that you weren't worthy because you got a tattoo or you're going to hell, or you had sex out of marriage and you became pregnant, then all of a sudden your child is uh, condemned. And I'm sharing things of, of experiences that I know. You can go look at some of my comments on some of my videos and you can see people talking about being cursed because they were left-handed, being told to leave the classroom because they were left-handed and marked by the devil. Those have incredibly scarring impacts on people, especially as children. When I was fifth in fifth grade, 
My science teacher told me I was going to hell because I was not baptized as an infant. I remember being absolutely terrified and thank God for my strong Southern Baptist grandmother who cleared that up really quickly. But of course, those, com- those kinds of experiences compounded over time make you realize some of what has, is happening inside religion is nothing short of, of abuse. So when you make that decision to leave, it is a very not only appropriate, but sometimes often necessary to look at some kind of therapy. It might be mental therapy, it might be spiritual therapy, it might be a combination of all of those. But this is a great website if you feel like it is something that you need. I also uh, talk about this in some of my um, videos on TikTok and I'll be uploading more resources on my website about religious trauma and how we can help each other um, heal from it. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you, and I pray you received something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved and may you give love. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. Blessings on your week. Bye for now. If you like what you heard today, be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. To submit questions to Rev Carla, email us at spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. Follow at Rev Carla on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Check out her blog posts on revcarla.com and go ahead and sign up for email alerts while you're there so you don't miss a thing. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.